So attorneys are saying that, you know, this case has big implications because there are numerous lawsuits. What are the strategies that can help plaintiffs, but also what are the strategies that can help defendants? But the state is accusing Google of allegedly capturing the faces and voices of users. While with Meta, they're saying that the company allegedly kept records of users' facial geometry. Thanks for tuning in to Keep It Legal, the show where we break down concepts, litigation, and current events with our legal experts. I'm your host, Mark Anik. Joining us today is Lauren Castle with Law360. Lauren, thanks for uh, stopping by to chat. Thanks for having me. So I just told our audience you're with Law360. Tell me what you do there. So I cover Texas courts, so state and federal for Law360. I've been with the publication since June, and I love it. Okay. And you said since June, uh, where were you before you came to Law360? So before Law360, I was with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. I covered social services. Um, Before that, I was at the Arizona Republic in Phoenix, Arizona, covering the legal system. And before that, in broadcast. So I've been a little bit all over the place. Okay. Uh, And an awful lot of your work in the legal area. Yes. Do you like lawyers and covering legal stories? I do. I'm always learning and lawyers are a unique audience. So I definitely like learning more things and talking to them. Uh, Unique is an interesting word. We could dive deeper, but I'll let that go for a moment. Um, This is the time of year. We're recording this at the end of December, just prior to Christmas. And it's the time of year when reporters very often work on end of year or beginning of the year stories. And you're doing that. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Yeah, so I am working on a multiple things. So a story looking more into kind of damages and why there are so many higher awards that are happening across the country in Texas. I'm also looking at um, cases to watch in 2023, as well as what to watch in the Texas state legislature since a new session is starting in, in 2023. Okay. You mentioned high damage awards. What are you seeing? Because I know we've seen some of those here uh, just with some of the lawyers that we work with. What are you hearing from people out there? People are definitely saying that it's happening more frequently um, and that they always wonder why and what are the strategies that can help plaintiffs, but also what are the strategies that can help defendants. It's been interesting to hear um, everyone's views on that because some people say that, hey, this is helping plaintiffs, especially those um, who might not want to initially come forward with a lawsuit, but others are saying, hey, it's not helping companies. So there are definitely different views on that. Are you getting any answers to the why question, why we're seeing those kinds of verdicts? Yeah. So people are saying different things. Some are saying it's because of COVID and people not trusting corporations. Others are saying it's just people are angry (laughs) at this time. And so there's different, different viewpoints. Okay. Well, that'll be in it. Has that piece published yet? No, not yet. So okay. I'm still working on it. So that'll be something for us to look forward to. You also mentioned you're looking at a story that looks ahead to 2023. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I've been looking at different cases. Um, some cases we were already aware about and others attorneys came to us and said, hey, these are important cases to watch. Let us let us talk to you about it. So um, it's been different. It's been very interesting. So many people are talking about energy cases. Others are talking about employment, white collar crime. So a, vari- a lot of variety. OK, I want to uh, get us started with one of those cases, and it involves our Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton. I have an article here from U.S. News from this last, uh, actually, it's from the Associated Press. 
and it goes back to May of 22. And I love the lead. Not many people charged with felony crimes go seven years without ever standing trial. One of them is Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. So this is a case that goes back seven years. Uh, he's been indicted on charges of securities fraud. Uh, wh what is it that you've been uh, reporting on and looking ahead to 2023? What are we expecting? Yeah, so there is basically a venue fight going on. Um, special prosecutors want the case to be heard in Harris County. However, Paxson's team wants it to be he heard in Collin County. Um, and so we're expecting the Court of Criminal Appeals of Texas to decide which venue it should be should take place. Um, Ken Paxson is from Collin County, so uh, the special prosecutors say that that is an unfair advantage for him because people love him there. However, Paxson's, Paxson's counsel is saying Harris County is not the proper venue because the trial, trial judge that was on the case originally, he was there appointed, he was appointed, and then his term expired when he transferred the case to Harris County. And so Paxton's counsel is saying that wasn't right. It needs to stay in Collin County. This, this case, I said seven years, it goes back to just after he was first elected, correct? 2015? It's extraordinary, as this story points out, and as you know, covering this, that a, a criminal case would go on that long with any other defendant, I, I mean, I just can't remember another case that has gone on that long. Is there a sense that this is the year, uh, given the CCA's, you know, indication that or, or the feeling that we may see a ruling? Do you think that it'll actually go forward finally? Well, you know, we're still waiting. Um, some people wonder if it will go forward because um, he was reelected. So maybe because of the election is over, maybe it'll finally come up they'll finally have a decision with the venue. Um, attorneys have told me that, you know, this case is super important because not only does it involve a public official like Paxton, it also involves venue issues. And of course, with any case, especially criminal proceedings, the venue isn't very important. So. Sure. Sure. Okay. So another case you're working on is Powers versus Broken Hill. And that's one of several employment law cases you're looking at. Can you tell us about that one? Yes. So this one involves a former employee for a mining company. He claims that his former employer wrongfully fired him because he is outside of their scope for their D&I um, goals. He's not a woman and he is not a person of color. And so he claims that, you know, that's wrong. And so Recently, a Texas federal judge ruled that the company can face the employee's claims. And so attorneys are saying that this case is important just because mostly every company has these type of goals and initiatives. And so you kind of wonder, how is this going to affect so many companies going forward? You and I were talking before, and I, and I mentioned I was just on a, on a call yesterday, a Zoom call with an attorney, and we were talking about DEI, and we were talking about these kinds of issues. Uh, what are the rules? When do companies go too far? Uh, how do they follow the rules the proper way? This, this is one that people will watch very closely. We also have U.S. versus Cruz. This is the continuation of the Bluebell Listeria case. Now, my understanding is the company is out of this case. This is the case against the criminal charges against the former CEO. Tell us about this one. 
Yeah, so a trial occurred in 2022, so this year. Um, however, it ended up in a mistrial. Uh, the jury just could not decide if he committed wire fraud or not. And so people are wondering if prosecutors are actually going to continue pressing charges against him. Um, right now, the trial is set for April of 2023. Um, and so basically, he faces wire fraud and conspiracy charges linked to the Listeria outbreak. And at this point, there's every indication prosecutors will go forward with that. As of now, it looks like it. Um, I sent them a statement request and I haven't heard back from them, <laughs> but it looks so far, it looks like they will. What do you hear from attorneys when you talk to them about this case? I mean, you've got uh, a corporation, uh, you have cases of listeria, people remember this case, people died as a result of this. But in this case, you're trying to hold a CEO responsible for that. What sort of reactions do you get from people when you talk with them about it? So attorneys are saying this case is important because it involves a former executive, especially one that involves food safety. Um, but they're saying that it's important for companies and executives to be mindful of this case and look at it closely because it shows you the risk associated with crisis communications. And, and frankly, the risk associated with being the person in charge. Exactly. Um, his team have argued that he wasn't acting in deceit, but that he was trying to do the, what was best for the company as well as the public. You have another story involving an attorney from San Antonio who is accused, uh, all of these are allegations at this point in time, but accused of misuse of client funds, which is something unfortunately you hear about from time to time. Tell us about this particular case, if you would. Yeah, so Christopher Pettit, um, he's from San Antonio, and so he was indicted in December on wire fraud charges as well as others um, associated with allegations that he mishandled clients' money for to pay debts as well as to have a certain life type of lifestyle. Um, and so he gave up his law license in June and filed for Chapter 11 protection, and he claimed that he is in $115 million worth of debt. So that is a lot of money, um, and attorneys say that the size of the money is one reason why this case is important. And another attorney told me, which I thought was interesting, he said that, you know, bankruptcy court is a gold mine for prosecutors just because of all the sworn statements that are involved in the proceedings. Okay, so a portion of this is in bankruptcy court? So he filed for bankruptcy in June, and so then... In December, that's when prosecutors file charges against him. Okay. Okay. What district is that case in? That is the Western District of Texas. There are a couple of other cases involving the state of Texas, cases that uh, the Attorney General's office has brought against Google and against Meta involving the use of biometric data, facial and voice recognition. What's the status of those and what are you hearing and expecting in 2023? Yeah, so these cases are both in separate district courts. So one against Google, one against Meta. And right now we're just kind of waiting to hear what the company's got to say. Um, it's still in the beginning stages of the proceedings. Um, and so the state is accusing Google of allegedly capturing the faces and voices of users, while with Meta, they're saying that the company allegedly kept records of users' facial geometry. Um, and so they're saying that with the state law, companies are not allowed to get 
collect data without users' consent. They have to dispose of it, and they're not allowed to disclose the information to third parties. That's one of those pieces of litigation that may involve the state of Texas and a huge corporation, two huge corporations. But really, it has implications for you and for me, correct? Can you talk about that? So attorneys um, and advocacy organizations have spoken to me about this. So attorneys say that this is important because more of the public are becoming more familiar with how companies are using their information and they want to, you know, have consent to have to have a say in deciding if they want it to be used or not. While advocacy groups are saying more needs to be done to provide guideline, guidelines and safeguards for the public, um, and so one attorney um, said something that I thought was really interesting. She said that not most companies don't 100% understand what information they have that falls into this enforcement category. So I think everyone, everyone has questions, the public as well as corporations. I've heard that from attorneys who work in that area of law, that very often when they sit down and they talk to their clients, uh, you, you can almost see it in their faces the revelation, the understanding that, oh my gosh, we have an awful lot of data and we have to be very careful and we have to make sure that we're abiding by all of the laws and the regulations so that we don't get in trouble uh, as we handle that information. Exactly, because the industry is always evolving, so there's something new every day. Well, and it, and it occurs to me that that's the case in 2023 given it involves this kind of technology, given the evolution that you mentioned, there'll be another version of that case in 2024 and 25, right? I mean, you'll be covering that story for some time in theory. For sure. I read a story that Law360 did on one of these cases, and in it, I think Meta uh, responded and said, the state only came after us after we discontinued the program on our own. It was an interesting tack to take. We'll have to see if it works when you get into the court system. The, uh, the other case I wanted to talk about has to do with ERCOT, and you're doing some reporting on that, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. Uh, obviously, a word that is uh, near and perhaps not dear to so many Texans' hearts after what happened with Winter Storm Uri and the, the widespread power outages in Texas. Uh, the reports, the statistics tell us uh, perhaps over 200 people died as a result of the lack of power and the failure of the grid. And here we are in December as you and I speak, and this week the temperatures are going to drop below freezing and remain there again. You're reporting on a case involving Panda Power, which is not necessarily a Winter Storm Uri case, but there's a component of it that everybody is following because of of what it may mean for those cases. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so um, the Texas Supreme Court is going to hear this oral argument in Jan on January 9th, and it basically involves does ERCOT have immunity over fraud and other claims? And so it the immunity issue is related to a lot of the Winter Storm URI um, lawsuits, but basically Panda Power um, is claiming that they relied on reports from the organization and when investing $2 billion in building plant power plants. And they claim that ERCOT ended up revising those reports, and so they're out of money. So their case, uh, the Panda case, is a business case. They're saying, hey, we invested all this money because you told us that we could sell electricity, and we just haven't been able to earn back all of our investment and make money. 
it's America, we want to make money, right? And ERCOT has asserted sovereign immunity as a defense, and that's key to all of those personal injury and wrongful death cases brought as a result of the Winter Storm URI problems. Are you hearing from uh, experts, from attorneys, as to how they think the court may rule? It avoided the issue in 2021, correct? Yes, it did. And the this case has been going back and forth between appellate courts. So like the Fifth Court of Appeals in Dallas um, ruled that ERCOT is a private and independent company, so it can face these claims. Um, and so attorneys are saying that, you know, this case has big implications because there are numerous lawsuits connected to Winter Storm Uri that name ERCOT. And so if ERCOT is found that, hey, you're immune, then all of those lawsuits will be dismissed. And if not, then there will be a ton of litigation continuing. And, and that means an awful lot to those people who, who have pieces of litigation, who lost family members during that, that winter storm. Exactly. As you chat with lawyers for these stories, are there um, umbrella themes that you hear from people? As an example, I've noticed in working with attorneys that, you know, obviously the pandemic happened and plaintiff's lawyers were sitting on the sidelines for a good couple of years because so many courthouses were closed down. And over the past six months, I've seen trial after trial. You mentioned big verdicts at the beginning of our discussion, and it just feels like the courts are working diligently to get through that backlog. And, and I expect that courthouses will be very busy in 2023 as a result. Are there other trends that you see outside of specific cases in just talking to people? Attorneys have told me that, you know, there's a, several issues that are also coming up. So um, cases that involve uh, PPP and fraud, as well as cases involving abortion, as well as cases involving um, immigration. So there's a lot of big, heavy topics that are still have litigation going on. Um, and there's, of course, you know, also always defamation cases and if they can easily be dismissed or if they or if plaintiffs have to um, or if defendants have to stand trial for those. You mentioned a couple of hot button issues, abortion and immigration. And I know only because you and I have spoken about this, that part of what you're covering is how those issues impact the workplace. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so um, I've just spoken with some attorneys about when it comes to abortion. Um, attorneys kind of wonder what's next. Will um, companies, could they face um, charges or face sanctions for if they help employees obtain abortions, whether it's for helping with travel or um, other things like that. Um, there are cases involving um, donors and doctors being worried if they can face criminal charges. Um, and so there's so many things that are going on when it comes to like the workspace, um, as well as kind of if third parties, because um, we had SB8 um, that was passed, how can third parties um, file lawsuits against those that they believe um, helped with an abortion? And that's obviously a topic that is not going anywhere, going away anytime soon. We'll just continue to see it unfold. Exactly. Thank you again for joining us today. Again, that was Lauren Castle with Law360 in Dallas. You can visit law360.com for more legal stories. Law360 is a subscription-based legal news service based in New York City. It's operated by Portfolio Media 
a subsidiary of LexisNexis, and delivers breaking news and analysis to more than 2 million U.S. legal professionals across 60 practice areas, industries, and topics. Make sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and tune in next time to Keep It Legal. I'm your host, Mark Anik. See you then.